It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Monday check-in. I am Damon Jensen Heitman, joined by Greg Allen Pickett. And um, here we are in the Monday check uh, Careful observers may have noticed. Uh, we're not where we were last week. Yeah, last uh, week we debuted our new podcast studio space. We tried uh, which, it out. It was like a it was like a soft opening, you know. <laughs> which we were very excited to do, and I, I thought the the sound quality was excellent on that. Um, I think our video quality left a little to be desired. Yeah, it was a soft opening. You know, that's why you do a soft opening. Check it out, see what's going on, and take a little bit of time to work out some of the kinks and that sort of thing. So we'll be back up there. Uh, soon there were some technical things this morning that I couldn't sort out in our uh, technology. One of our technology wizards was unavailable. So, uh, so yeah, so here we are. And I thought about bringing our fancy microphones back down to us, but honestly, I didn't want to do the work of moving. I can't carry the microphones and my computer all at once. And I didn't want to make two trips. That's a long ways away. It's a big building. <laughs> so uh, you know it is here we are here we are and and you know what we we have this system down pretty well like we got yeah this is our nostalgia edition of the of the podcast for folks who are just really longing for the olden times here it is Maybe we yes. should do this as a live show sometime. Actually, funny you should say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a retired pastor in our congregation who will uh, remain nameless and anonymous. Yeah. Uh, who does occasionally tune into our Monday check-ins. Mm-hmm. And his feedback is, Greg, these are better than your sermons. Why don't you and Damon just do this on Sunday mornings? <laughs> Okay. It wouldn't uh, feel nearly the same on a Sunday morning. Well, but what he said was, I, I don't really mean that, Greg. Your sermons are great. But what I mean is you and Damon having a dialogue would make a good sermon. So why don't sometimes he said, Greg, you've done these dialogue sermons with all these other people. How come you and Damon have never done a dialogue sermon? And I thought, well, that's a fair point. I'll tell you why. Because on Dialogue Sermon Sunday, it's like, hey, I can take the day off. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) that's why. (laughs) Fair enough. At least in part. Yeah. But if, if, if we did a Dialogue Sermon that was similar to this, where we just shared our insights on the scripture, like we do in this somewhat informal way, uh, where we you know, you and I generally both do a little bit of research before we log in. We read a couple commentaries. We reflect back on what we learned about these passages in seminary or whatever. And, and yeah. that informs our conversation. What if we did that? And the point of this retired pastor who shall remain nameless was just that um, he thinks when I'm in informal conversation like this, that it's more approachable. 
And he likes it when I do that. And he said, anytime you go off manuscript when you're preaching, Greg, he said, I know that you're off manuscript because you're conversational. And he yeah. said, I, I like it when you go off manuscript. I think that that's better. So he's pushing me to actually not be a manuscript preacher. That's, that's part of his encouragement. And we have a little bit of a technology issue with that because I don't control my PowerPoints. And so uh, the PowerPoints are controlled back at our sound booth. And, uh, and so that limits what I can do if I'm using a PowerPoint as part of a sermon in terms of not following a manuscript, because right now I have somebody who sits back in the sound booth who has my whole manuscript and they read along as I'm preaching and they change the slides at the appropriate times. Right. But anyways, uh, none yeah. of you wanted to know any of this and I, <laughs> but I'm sharing it all with you. <laughs> yeah. There are, I mean, there are technical things that would need to be sorted and could easy, fairly easily be sorted, but just it's yeah it's a it's a different mode of um of sharing i suppose yeah and it just feels it just feels different right um not that not that one is right and one is wrong um, but yeah it just feels different and sometimes just the um just like the change of pace is just really refreshing. I think yep. sometimes for folks and, uh, and everything else on a Sunday, at least the way that we do worship, everything else on a Sunday morning is, is so everything else is scripted. Right. So there's only so much room for, um, improvisation, I guess in there or, even just like I know, like even just like the tone of my voice is different when I'm being when I'm in a conversation than I, than it is when I am presenting a sermon or offering a sermon. Typically, so um, and my typical style is um, a little more relaxed. Isn't the right word than your style, but right. But even you know, yeah. But even for me, it's just a different, like, and the tone of voice just seems, I don't know, more relaxed or whatever the case may be. But. My very loving and most of the time very supportive wife does refer to it as my preaching voice. <laughs> yeah. And everybody has one. I mean, right. Uh, public speakers, I mean, they have a, 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 speak, a public speaking voice and a conversational voice, you know radio personalities and you know that's just kind of that's kind of the way it goes so uh what are we going to do here actually uh well this is the monday check-in for those of you who have stuck with us this long till this point but don't know what's going on which is uh something that we do every week where we uh or try to do it every week uh most weeks uh where we do a preview of the scripture that will be preached on the following sunday and Damon and I have a little conversation about it, chat about it, try to pull out some themes, perhaps reflect on what we might be preaching on the following Sunday. Um, and then we close that conversation and we uh, share some announcements about what's happening in the life of the church. How did I do on introducing the Monday check-in? You usually do that. Did I do all right? That seemed good to me. I use more words than you do. Well, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
And to be honest, I was partly listening. I was also partly trying to figure out what I was going to say next. So I don't, I think it's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it's maybe my turn to do the opening prayer. I think so. Okay. Uh, then let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you for this opportunity to gather and to share in conversation and in study for the opportunity to reflect on your words, ponder what they may have meant, what they mean today, what they might continue to mean in the future. Thank you, God, for the ways that you have shaped and formed our, shaped, excuse me, and formed our lives. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, a couple of scripture readings uh, this morning. The first from uh, Philemon, Philemon, if you prefer, to the layman, you might. Um, Philemon is another. There's more distractions here than in the other room, I'm noticing. You're easily distracted. Um, probably true. And then also from probably true. the Gospel of Luke. Well, people, there's a study being conducted. Uh, <laughs> we're waiting for the official results, but uh, I can I can preempt the official results. <laughs> probably, there's anec- there's certainly anecdotal evidence. Oops, see that I right clicked. I shouldn't have right clicked. I got I fixed it. Uh, so this is from Philemon. Philemon. This is the entirety of the book of Philemon. It's like filament, you know, because Paul was writing, he had a great idea, light bulb went off, sent it to this guy. Philemon. It was named Philemon. <laughs> it goes something like this. Uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child. Onesimus, is that how you would pronounce that? Yes. On, Onesimus. One Simus is how it's spelled. Onesimus. Uh, or Onesimus. Onis or Ones. I, I would go with Onesimus, but you, you do you. Oh, man. Well, this person, uh, which I learned uh, this name means um, useful. Mm-hmm. In Greek, uh, which couldn't have been his given name, I don't. I, but whatever, I'm appealing to you uh, for my child, Onesimus, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, 
he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that's how it ends, and with your spirit as well, some might add onto there. Uh, and then from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and Jesus turned to them, turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Uh, for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first, first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all will see it. All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions." The word of the Lord, question mark. Thanks be to God, question mark. Uh, yeah, so two, uh, these are both lectionary readings for this coming week. We are, uh, we've wrapped up both the summer sermon song series and the uh, summer children's literature series as well. We are uh, returning to lectionary suggestions and texts not entirely sure what these scriptures have to do with one another maybe i do but i don't know 
I wasn't in the room when they put them together. So, um, in the room where it happened, some would say that. Some would say that. So, so I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. So, um, Philemon is not a book that we spend a great deal of time studying typically. It's one of the lesser known letters of Paul Mm -hmm. uh, written to a particular person instead of to a community of believers. And it's short. Uh, Damon read you the entirety of the letter. And correct me if I'm wrong here. um, I believe Onesimus uh, was a slave Seems to be a slave. Of Philemon's who ran away. There's debate. Or was sent, sent away to go serve Paul in prison. Yeah, maybe he ran. Some folks seem to say, okay, maybe he uh, was a slave who ran away, perhaps uh, absconding with some funds, uh, some of the master's funds. And that's where this reference to, you know, if he owes you anything. Uh, it would seem strange that a runaway slave would go to a, like would go to a prison. Prison, right? Like, why? Why would you go to a prison? Um, or maybe he was a slave that was sent to Paul because Paul and Philemon, Philemon, uh, File, Emon, uh, seem to have some sort of knowledge of each other. Yep. Uh, some sort of relationship to one another. Um, And I know that like prisoners at the time, if folks from the community didn't provide for them, then they got nothing. Um, So wouldn't be uncommon for other followers of the way to, to try to tend to the needs of, of their fellow followers uh, who found themselves in prison. So, but then seems to have some sort of conversion experience while he's with Paul for whatever reason that he's with Paul. And And now Paul is preparing to send him back to Philemon. Yeah. Not as a slave, but as an equal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless, (laughs) unless you think that Paul is really kind of subtly trying to get uh, Philemon Philemon to actually just have Onesimus stay there, right? Because in verse 13, I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. I think it all depends on how uh, passive aggressive you think Paul is being in this letter. And Damon is always the first to read passive aggressiveness into, uh, particularly into Paul's letters. Yeah, I'm not sure how well Paul and I would have gotten along. <laughs> he's always, he's always after something. I don't know that Paul would have gotten along well with many people. <laughs> yeah, he's always, it's always working an angle. He has an agenda for sure. Um, now, generally, that agenda is like the work of the Lord, right? Uh, and the, the well, the agenda is to spread the gospel, whatever that might mean. It's weird that this 
letter makes it into the Bible. Yeah, yeah. If we had time, we could study how this one made it into the canon. What is it about this particular letter? We do trust that the Holy Spirit worked through the creation of the canon, and so there's a reason this is here for us. What are we supposed to learn from it? Um, I, I love the introduction to this letter, which we, which parallels the introduction to a lot of Paul's letters, but yeah. I always love the way that Paul speaks with such love to the people he's writing letters to, right? If I open every letter that I wrote, grace to you and peace. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. Um, yeah, uh, some of the commentaries that I've read have um, expressed an appreciation for what they see as, as Paul's really kind of heartfelt sincerity. Yeah. In this in this letter, and, and that he called, you know, we have that lovely opening and greeting, um, and we also have you know, he refers to Anisimus as his child, as his own heart, um, as well. There's a very familial sort of leaning in Paul's writing here. Yeah, and there's an affection, like it comes across as authentic affection both for Philemon and for Onesimus. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's beautiful. Uh, I don't know if that's the reason this letter landed in the canon. I, I think the reason the letter landed in the canon and more, has more to do with Paul trying to get Philemon to change his perspective of Onesimus from being a slave to being an equal, to being a brother in Christ. Uh, and and to be treated as such. I think there's something Paul's going after here. And I would guess that uh, could have something to do with how this made it into the new Testament. Yeah, it would, it would connect with, um, you know, in Christ, there is no longer male or free. Yeah. Slave or free. Um, Jew or Gentile, or however the rest of that um, phraseology goes. Yeah. it, It would connect with that. Um, and th- there's this little, it's also, um, like, like this is, it's interesting. Like this is a personal that we're reading someone else's mail again in here and, uh, and hoping that we can find wisdom for our own age within it, which we do quite a bit, actually. Um, we do this with, uh, past presidents. We do, you know, we read their letters to, you know, various other dignitaries or to their loved ones and uh, hope that we can find some wisdom within it for our, for our own age. Um, it's a letter, to, it's really a letter mostly to one person, but it's addressed to multiple people, um, which <laughs> could be kind of like, a, hey, like, other people are going to watch what you do in this. Uh, so there's this little community pull to it as well. Um, and he addresses it to all of the church that meets 
in this person's house um, as well, which is, the, yes, yeah, go ahead. Well, they're the signature line too, right? Yeah. Um, Paul is signing it, but he's like, oh, by the way, all these other dudes who are in prison with me, they all read this too, and they're kind of putting their signatures on it, just so you're aware. Yeah, we're all watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, accountability, been- right? Teaching some accountability. Yeah, this is like when you get called into the principal's office and you didn't know it, but also like, oh, there's, oh, your teacher is here also and your coach and your whatever else, you know, I don't know. Just did that happen to you? And then you have just a conversation with the, you know, but like everybody's on it. So no, that didn't happen to me, but um, because Paul's always like playing around with kind of, how much authority he has. Right. And he does that blatantly in here, right? Yeah. I'm bold enough to command you to do your duty yet. I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love uh-huh. and the fact that I'm an old man who's smarter than you and the fact that I'm a prisoner. So you're going to do this out of love for me because I'm an old man and a prisoner, not because I'm commanding you to do it. Yeah, no, no, I would never command. Right. Uh, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord. And then he does it again, right? But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that, that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Yeah. So Paul's doing some, some work here on this letter. He's there's there's some um yeah, some some work, <laughs> some accountability, some uh mm-hmm. I'm not gonna call it manipulation, but <laughs> it's good there. It's um it's human is what it is, right? You know, you know, especially, um, you know, he says, okay, if Onesimus owes you anything, I'll pay it. I don't know what my, he's in prison. Um, I don't know what money he has to pay whatever debt this person might have, but you know, okay, whatever. Um, and, uh, and then in verse, uh, 19, it says, I'll pay it, uh, charge it to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Not even going to mention that how much you owe me, actually. Not even going to bring it up. Yep. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like, you know, don't think about a purple horse. I'm probably thinking about a purple horse, you know, um, kind of a deal. So, yeah, so th- that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think in your little sermon uh, uh, outline, not necessarily an outline, what would you call it? Uh, just a, a subject idea. Yeah. Possibility thing um i think you kind of talk about that this is uh, a passage or a letter that encourages us to maybe be willing to enter into more difficult or uncomfortable conversations right with with one another um and as i was reading it and and also with the the luke passage i was thinking about how It's a um, it's not a passage that presents 
a lot of answers. Like it presents, here's the issue of the day. And, he, and we see where Paul stands on it. We don't get, get to see where Philemon stands or where Philemon ends up on it. We're just kind of left with the question, um, which I, I think could invite us to sort of enter into, but like you got to wrestle with the questions um, of the day, whatever those questions might be, or the questions of your own personal life, whatever they might be. And the, and the gospel of Luke kind of goes along with that, with this sort of sense of, do you, are you going to, you know, you ask yourself the question first, uh, if you got enough to build the tower or not. Um, otherwise people will, they'll ridicule you. Let's say you couldn't build your tower. They'll say, which I think is a funny, uh, funny thought. But yeah, but there's something about um, I don't know being willing to enter into the questions or sit with the questions that I think is important, or or being willing to say to someone else, you know, I think that this is a bigger deal maybe than you think that it is, and and here's why. I think that this is a bigger deal. Um, and I think that maybe you should rethink this. Um, and here's why. And those are some, sometimes it's harder to talk about that than it is the weather, I suppose. I, I think it would be an interesting sermon would be to read the Philemon passage. And then your sermon it could be written in first person of Philemon writing back to Paul. Yeah. Yeah, it would at least be an interesting exegetical exercise. Right, as yeah. like you're in dialogue with Paul. It's a dialogue partner thing. That I mean, and perhaps uh, this entire book of Philemon is what, like 400 words or something like that? Uh, you can probably do a quick word count on it. Um, I'll let you do that because you know Google Docs better than I do. Um, but so if you wrote a response that was about the same length and then the rest of the sermon would just be talking about this dialogue between two people having a difficult conversation, right? Philemon writes back, Paul, I love you, brother. Uh, what is it exactly that you're asking me to do here? Do you want me to take an Isthmus back? Do you understand why I sent him away? Uh, and how exactly do you propose to repay an Isthmus's debt? You're sitting in a prison cell, not earning any money, Right. It would just be, it would be interesting to, and to talk about the themes of grace and, and particularly the theme, this, the theme of equality just keeps jumping out at me of Paul is asking Philemon to give up Onesimus as a slave. Like this is, this is property. This is capacity to produce resources. This is, this is giving up your mode of production. And this is a big ask uh, for Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, if, if Onesimus is, you know, officially recognized uh, as as having been granted his freedom, uh, then maybe Onesimus chooses to stay there with Paul um, and serve um, serve Paul in some capacity uh, or one way or another. So, yeah. So that might, I mean, that could be an interesting exercise. 
Yeah. Uh, if you decide to do that, we could sit on either side of the uh, of the pulpit and pretend like we're writing these letters to us and, and read them, kind of like how Jimmy Fallon does his thank you notes. I haven't seen those in a very, very long time. They're great. Esther and I watch those sometimes on YouTube. They're they're pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, to do that, you'd kind of have to decide what you think the backstory is. Right. You, no, you would have to you would have to create some extra biblical narrative in order to flush it out. But mm-hmm. but even for Philemon, just to directly address some of these things that Paul is asking of him. And making a note of what a big deal these requests of Paul are. And that that ties into the Luke scripture that Jesus is making an even bigger request of us, right? Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You got to give it all up in order to do this. And, and, and you know what you have to give up to do it. You know how to count the costs. Are you willing to count those costs before you make this commitment? So I, I, there could be something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they're an interesting um interesting couple of of uh of passages. Pericopes, if you prefer. Which uh Microsoft Word always uh autocorrects to Periscope. <laughs> yeah. Because Pericope is not in Microsoft Word's uh dictionary, but Periscope is. Yeah. Um yeah, it's about 450. The word count said 457. Okay, so I had not actually paired the Luke passage with this Philemon passage. Uh, if I if I had been preaching on it this Sunday, I was going to use the Psalm passage because this Luke passage is hard. Yeah, it is. The opening lines are really hard. This notion that you would have to uh, not just sort of give up your family, but you're supposed to hate your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, and even life itself to, in order to become a disciple of Jesus. Like that's going to require some interpretation and exegesis uh, because that's, those are some harsh words. Yeah. It's, it's extremist language mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, um, and it's the language of, um, yeah, it's the language of extremists. It's the language of uh, re- rebellions, I think. Uh, whatever that rebellion you might view as a cultural um, rebellion, or or whatever the case that yeah, you have to. Um, it's all or nothing. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, yeah. And For I, my, I, I pick it up. Like, that's fine. I pick it up at 1427, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's, that's language that we've been confronted with before. Um, because there are other parts of the biblical witness that tell us we're not supposed to hate our family, that in fact, we're supposed to love yeah. our family. And not only that, that the definition of family expands beyond our biological family and that we are supposed to treat everybody as a brother and sister, not with hatred, but with love. And yeah. so it, it, would, it just requires some unpacking and some interpretation. Yeah. And I think also uh, that this is like, this is in the shadow of the cross, right? And Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you are going to end up on a cross. That's, that's where this is going. And if, and if you're willing to do that, then you kind of must hate your father and mother, right? Because they're going to see you crucified and you must hate your family 
in order to be willing to put them through that. Hmm. If that's Damon, that's a really interesting interpretation. I had not thought of it that way before, but I I, I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. Mm -hmm. That sort of sense of... Because in some ways, you're not just choosing this for yourself. Right. 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 You're you're choosing it forever. And if you're the oldest son of the family who is expected to you know take over and and be kind of the the backbone the provider uh in the culture at the time then then it's not just you um that'll that'll be joining me on the cross uh so but and so you must you must hate them if you're willing to to do that so, so it, like, it's always interesting to me, like how we, we were talking about that tone of voice earlier, right? When we first started, right? And how we envision, how we imagine the, that line being spoken makes a huge difference. And if Jesus is saying this, like with grief and sorrow in his voice, then that makes a huge difference than if he's saying it with like this fervor and uh, like rallying sort of passion you know yeah like if it's a thing he's excited about or not makes it the the context that you provided for that uh was helpful in that in luke 14 we're we're in the shadow of the cross right we're we're almost in the heart of the passion narrative at that point yeah and so that i think that's helpful context in which to think about this that um yeah with grief and sorrow if you say with that in your voice whoever comes to me and doesn't hate their father and mother because you know, you're giving up your life. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And potentially, you know, everything everybody else has dreamed for you or imagined for you or, um, or for themselves or for the family um, as a, as a result of that. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. I'm 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 thinking that something in here will preach. I'm thinking uh, you've you've got some stuff to work off of. <laughs> so we'll have to winnow it down. Should we switch gears? Yeah, let's talk about what's going on in the life of our church. So this last Sunday we had a phenomenal Sunday. It, it was our last worship in the park service. We had great attendance there. And then at 9.15, we had uh, our Sunday school orientation. And we had really wonderful turnout for that. Lots of families there to get oriented to how we're doing Sunday school this year. A few changes in our schedule, both for Wednesday Night Live programming as well as for youth group. Uh, Wednesday Night Live, we've shortened. It'll be 5 to 6.45 instead of 4 to 6.45. And then uh, middle school and high school youth group has been moved to Sunday evenings from 5 to 7 p.m. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, and so we, we had orientation to all of those great Christian ed things that are happening. And then, uh, our worship service, we did our Bible presentation to our kindergartners, third graders and eighth graders. And it was a really glorious Sunday in the life of the church. So that ended our sort of our summer run, if you will. Uh, this coming Sunday is Labor Day weekend. So we're going to just do one worship service at 1030 on Labor Day weekend. Um, 
no worship in the park, no Tuesday service in the chapel, just, just our one worship service at 1030. Um, and then, uh, and then we start our programmatic year, uh, with a bang, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Wednesday, I don't know if you gave the dates, the Wednesday night stuff starts on the 7th of September and the Sunday evening stuff starts on the 11th of September. Also starting on the 11th of September will be our uh, adult ed forum series. And we're going to start Doodle Harris, uh, who serves as the chaplain and director of service learning, I believe is uh, is Doodle's official full title. We'll be leading a, a little series of three forums using the Apple TV series Ted Lasso as as kind of the the springboard the jumping off point um to talk about some different theological concepts and ideas and that sort of stuff you don't need to have watched the show to to understand what's going on she'll be playing clips uh during the forum series and so you'll be you'll be fine you really will even if you've never watched the show uh you know you've thought about community before and so that entitles you to be part of the conversation you'll you'll be fine and if you know somebody who is relentlessly optimistic so if you've thought about community and you know can think in your mind's eye of somebody who is relentlessly almost annoyingly optimistic and earnest you've basically got the gist of most of the narrative arc of ted lasso um, yeah Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm fond of saying it is a relentlessly optimistic show. That is not to say that difficult things do not happen on that show and that people don't mistreat one another on that show because they do uh, from time to time. But, but overall, the, the show is very hopeful in, about human beings and that human beings can grow and learn from their mistakes and operate differently than they than they did before and in that way i yeah i agree that it is relentlessly optimistic and as a bonus if you decide to join us for the adult ed forum on ted lasso there will be biscuits and when i say biscuit i mean that in the british sense there will be amazing sweet cookies shortbread cookies that will be served in a small pink box to everyone who comes okay all right that sounds good damon was not planning on stopping by but now he's going to well skip confirmation that day those days anything else gosh i think i think we've covered our bases for now um the the programmatic year is really going to get fired up and so be paying attention to our newsletter and our bulletin because we got a lot of really exciting things happening um, like September 18th uh, is actually the, the commissioning service for Doodle over at the chapel. She will be commissioned as the chaplain for Hastings College, and we want as much of our church to show up for that to support her and the ministry that she's doing over there and the way that it connects with our ministries at First Presbyterian Church. I am the preacher at that service, so um, you get to hear me preach twice that Sunday. If that's, in, that's in the afternoon. We should give yeah. people the time. I want to say it's four o'clock. Uh, the following Sunday, September 25th, is Hastings College Sunday. Uh, we're very excited for that. We're going to have a Hastings College Choir here, and they're actually going to join forces with our Chancel Choir, and we will be uh, debuting 
a brand new piece of music that has been commissioned to celebrate Dr. Robin Kuzer's 50 years of working with the music ministries at First Presbyterian Church. So lots of really cool stuff coming up uh, this fall. We hope you can join us for it. Yeah. Should all be good. So uh, would you close us with a word of prayer? I'd love to. Let's pray. Gracious God, there's a lot going on in the lives of the people we love this week. God, we see a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of challenges that people are facing. As we prepare for uh, what this week will bring to us, we ask that you continually make your presence known. Remind us that you walk with us each step of the way. Remind us that you, you hold our hand when we need you to hold our hand and, and that you comfort us when we need your comforting. You support us when we need your supporting. God, we ask that as we continue to study your holy word and what it means for us, that in the study of that word, we at, at its very core see your love for us and that we feel that love for us both directly from you, God, but also in the community that you surround us with. And so we ask that you surround each person with a community that loves them and that they know that love and feel that love and are able to share that love. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, then with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.